0: Morning, glory, and evening, grace, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. It's the last radio hour of the week. It is, for many of you, your favorite radio hour of the week. And even in a week of great and extraordinary news and very relevant news, I might add, I pause for our Hillsdale Dialogue, usually as it is today with Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. And he often has, and he does today, one of his colleagues with him and joining Dr. Arndt today is Professor Will Morrissey, who is the William and Patricia Lamoth Chair in the U.S. Constitution and Professor of Politics at Hillsdale College. He has been there since the year 2000. He teaches in American politics, political theory, comparative politics. Dr. Morrissey is the author of eight books on statesmanship and political theory, including Self-Government, The American Theme, Presidents of the Founding and Civil War, The Dilemma of Progressivism. It continues on and on. Mm -hmm. He received his summa cum laude BA from Kenyon College in the great state of Ohio. I pray he is actually a Buckeye, which would make him the perfect guest, and his PhD from the new school, university. Uh, Dr. Morrissey, welcome for the first time. Are you indeed a Buckeye? No, I I came from New Jersey originally and and went to school in Ohio. You made your way to Gambier, though, so I'm very, very pleased that hopefully you took some of that good common ohio soil sense up to michigan with you and and fertilize hillsdale (laughs) common is the term (laughs) dr larry arnett it's good to talk to you again for everyone as we begin this hillsdale.edu we've just added uh, last week four affiliates in montana this week a new affiliate in winston-salem am 90 the eagle so i always have to remember there are people hearing this for the first time for the last year and a half, Dr. Arn and I and his colleagues have been putting aside an hour to talk about the great books, the great thinkers, the great events of Western civilization, back to the Iliad. They are all available, every one of those conversations, at hughforhillsdale.com. And you can find out all about Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. And you ought to at least sign up for their absolutely free speech digest. Which is called Imprimus, which comes out to you monthly, sent to you in the mail, the old fashioned way. And they have many extraordinary online courses. The Hillsdale Dialogues are conversations, but their courses are uh, well regarded by every one of the many hundreds of thousands of people who've taken them. And I mean, they're just extraordinarily well received. Dr. Warren got those going about, what, three years ago, Larry? About that. Uh, That's right. Three, well, that is all my summary. And now we are at the break. Um, we're talking about the break that I had a professor long ago and far away by the name of Harvey Mansfield, and he spent a semester trying to get me to understand what the break was, uh, and he succeeded a little bit. And uh, the break is what the theory of Niccolo Machiavelli is. And uh, I'm going to start with you, Dr. Morrissey, before I give my first hypothetical question to Dr. Arn. Who is Machiavelli? Put him in his, his timeline and his place before we plunge into his writing. He uh, was born and lived
1: in Florence, Italy. Uh, he was born in 1469, and he died in 1527. Uh, he traveled somewhat to, other, uh, to the papal states, in, uh, centered in Rome, of course, Spain and uh, France as a diplomat. Uh, Florence in those days, it's important to understand, Florence in those days was a city-state. It was sovereign. There were about a dozen of those in Italy. Italy wasn't fully united until 1870, many, uh, several centuries later. Um, he served in several positions in the Florentine government uh, between 1594 and 1512. That was when the Florentine regime was a, a republic. It was an in between the uh, rule of the Medici family. And uh, he held several appointments uh, under the republic. He was uh, a, a diplomat, as I mentioned. He also oversaw production of government documents. And he oversaw the training of the Florentine militia. That, uh, that job uh, calls to mind his strong advocacy of, uh, of military self-defense in all his major works. It's a theme that runs throughout. And he
0: practiced what he preached on that. Now, he was also, however, the victim of an unfortunate turn of circumstances.
1: Yes. Uh, once the Medici got back in, in 1512, he was imprisoned and tortured. Um, uh, after a while, he, he got back just a little bit in some minor uh, posts. Uh, the prince, of course, was one of the intentions there was to uh, get him back into the, get him into the good graces of the Medici it's uh, dedicated to to one of them and uh, uh, he never was allowed back in any uh, position of major importance but uh, this is the time uh, sort of a semi-retirement time when he wrote all of the major books that we associate with him the prince the discourses uh, the art of war and the florentine histories the uh, the only one that was published in his lifetime was the art of war that was published uh, in
0: 1521 a few years before he died now, Dr. Arn, why did Harvey Mansfield, a, a great and good friend of yours and one of the great teachers of political theory, along with your teacher, Dr. Harry Jaffa, why did he refer to this as the break when he took up the prince?
2: Uh, well, he, he, he dates the beginning of modern political philosophy with Machiavelli because Machiavelli has a different disposition about what the essential questions are that human beings have to answer. And there are two things that are related when you say that. Uh, the, the ancient political philosophy, you might say that the first and the last question in ancient, ancient political philosophy is, what is the good? And there's a political practice uh, that goes along with that, the, the practice of virtue, the attempt in public things to achieve justice, and the attempt in private things to achieve a condition of virtue, or, and which, which produces happiness in the individual. And Machiavelli changes all that. Uh, Machiavelli's question is not so much what is the good. In fact, in this short work that we're going to talk about first, in one of the most famous passages in all of philosophy, Machiavelli wins the name Machiavellian for himself by specifically eschewing the question of virtue as the guided, or, or good as the guiding question of the prince. And what he says is, uh, virtue's mighty worthy, but nobody practices it. And so if you govern according to that, you'll come a cropper. And so what you have to do is not do that. You have to govern according to the circumstances and ways that will produce success. And that means an alternation of virtue and vice, vice parading as virtue often. And Machiavelli calls for that explicitly. And then in The Prince, he gives many examples, worthy and praised examples of such things. Uh, uh, Maybe the most famous, my favorite anyway, is uh, a greatly praised prince is one Cesar Borgia, who sends an agent into a rebellious area, which agent then proceeds to uh, torture and maim and kill all the enemies of César Borgia. The, 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 the agent is named Ramiro Dorco. And then when he's done that and all the enemies are dead and the people uh, are beginning the prince senses to move from that place where he wants them, which is to fear him, to be feared is better than to be loved, uh, toward hatred of him, which is very bad, then he goes to the city and he causes Ramiro Dorco to be dismembered And displayed in the public square which produces the happy result Uh, it has three parts one is all his enemies are dead the other is everyone fears him but the third is they don't hate him they have he he has delivered them from their their persecutor there's a break between that way of thinking publicly proclaimed and advanced and let's say Aristotle's. (laughs) Aristotle's.
0: <laughs> ethics. Well, then, then let me ask, <laughs> Professor Morrissey, um, is this a dangerous book, and do your students injure their, their own souls and their understanding of how they ought to act by reading it? I think they strengthen their souls by reading it.
1: Unless you have a coherent account of evil, done not by someone who is a critic of evil, but by someone who is a philosopher of evil, you will not be able to stand up to it. You will not be able to understand it. I occasionally do have students who say, well, this is wrong. Why are we reading it? Read, that's exactly why you're reading it. We want you to read things that are wrong. We want you to understand things
0: that are, that are, that are wrong so that you will be alert for them, uh, alert to them. You know, there's a temptation, though. Isn't there? It's sort of like the Lord of the Rings temptation to put the ring on. It doesn't, isn't that the danger of the prince? Well, Well, that's that's the.
2: Yeah, let me say something about that. Yeah, you, 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 there's a sense in which one should put the ring on. Uh, uh, Winston Churchill's wife. I've always thought this is the greatest. You're going to have to
0: hold this to the break, otherwise you'll break it right in the middle. I'll be right back. Winston Churchill's wife and putting on the ring when we come back. (laughs) I'm with Dr. Larry on, president of Hillsdale College, and one of his great colleagues there, Will Morrissey the William and Patricia Lamothe Chair in U.S. Constitution and Politics there. And we're talking the first of many, I think, conversations about Niccolo Machiavelli and his book, The Prince, and perhaps others. You can find all of the Hillsdale Dialogues at hillsdale.edu or at hugh, H-U-G-H, 4, F-O-R, Stay tuned. 21 minutes after the hour, America. Sue Hewitt. The Hillsdale Dialogue for the week is underway. It is our first dialogue on the works and life of Niccolo Machiavelli, the Prince specifically today. When we went to break, I had asked my uh, guest, Dr. Will Morrissey, who is the William and Patricia Lamoth Chair in the U.S. Constitution at Hillsdale, and Dr. Larry Arn, the president of that August institution, Hillsdale.edu. Whether reading Machiavelli was dangerous, whether it wasn't like the temptation in Lord of the Rings to put on the ring, and Dr. Arne had begun to say something about Winston Churchill's wife. What was that you were about to say? Well, the point
2: I was going to illustrate is it's it's both dangerous to read it and dangerous not to read it. And uh, uh, I don't think Betsy has ever written about Hugh, and I don't think uh, Penny has ever written about Larry. No. What Clemmy wrote to the Prime Minister about Winston, which huh. was... Only Winston has the deadliness to fight the Germans. Oh, and I've always thought that was a great thing, right? She because, really wrote that. Oh yes. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> she did. She and that's did. and that's just, you know, by the way, that's
0: better than a knighthood, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Repeat that again. Only Winston has the deadliness to deadliness. fight the Germans. Hmm. And and approvingly she
2: added. <laughs> oh man, she you know, she was she was recommending him for a promotion. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh and that, and see so you know, after we have sunk into the depths of Machiavelli, because we should do that because you'll never understand this famous and incredibly important thing unless you do pursue the thoughts of it, and that's what it is to study then uh, then after we've done that, there's some distinctions we should make, which will in my opinion will will uh, will 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 be an excellent guide for us all here we'll establish that the, the the propositions that Machiavelli is, is advancing are not unknown, either to the classics or to the good, now, and that some elements of those make up good practice.
0: Now, here's the hypothetical I, <laughs> I, I have for both of you as we begin this. Uh, Machiavelli came into power at around the age of 25 when there was the equivalent of a coup that that banished the Medici from the city they had ruled for a 100 years. And he got a big job in the new regime, sort of the secretary of state almost, at at a very young age. So imagine, if you will, that you're sitting on that beautiful rooftop uh, at the Kirby Center in Washington, D.C., with the Capitol Don in the backdrop, because Hillsdale runs this magnificent Kirby Center where they concern themselves with statesmanship and on top of it, they concern themselves with cigars and adult beverages after they've concerned themselves with statesmanship. And you have around you that, that great group that I was a part of one night of young men and women between the ages of 20 and 30, some of whom are in the uniform of the United States because Hillsdale has produced its fair share of such uh, officers, the American military. When word comes by text and post and phone call that there's been a coup, that, that the United States military has had it, with President Obama or whomever they've had it with, and that they have seized the White House and that they have seized power. And it sounds from first reports as though it's a pretty effective operation, a seven days in May sort of operation. And all of your students are then looking at Dr. Arn and Dr. Morrissey, some of them in uniform, and they say, What are we to do? So, what do you tell them if you are have been reading your Machiavelli, Dr. Arn?
2: Oh, um, well, so there are two ways to answer what would one say and what would Machiavelli say. Uh, what Machiavelli might say about that, what he does, he says something that's similar to that situation. In Machiavelli, one of the things you learn is that if you concentrate on doing the good, it'll be counterproductive. And and what's productive is to do what works. and works to what end, we have to talk about that. What does he mean by that? What do you What do you know? How do you know if something works? What What does it produce? Machiavelli, uh, and we'll get to that, but uh, Machiavelli, in Machiavelli, uh, foundings are scenes of crime and despotism. And they may give rise to freedom, but that's not how you get it. And so, uh, Machiavelli, uh, y- 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 so what Machiavelli might say to a young person is, maybe there's an opportunity here.
0: <laughs> well, that's, <laughs> isn't that what he, Dr. Morrissey, that's what happened to him, right?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he, was, uh, completely, he was completely indifferent as to which regime he would serve. He served the republic and uh, he quickly uh, attempted to worm his way right back in as soon as the Medici threw him out.
0: So maybe there's an opportunity here. <laughs> yeah,
2: that's a, that's a good guiding spirit, you know, if you're a Machiavellian. That's what you should be thinking all the time. Maybe there's an opportunity here. <laughs> but,
0: but what would you, Dr. Arndt, think? I mean, yeah, we've had a rough week, right? I, I, I haven't talked to you about this incoherent West Point speech that we've given up in Afghanistan, that we have traded uh, five of their field group commanders for... Eddie Coyle, at best. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, Let's pause and uh, give me your reaction to this week.
2: Well, um, it's a good time to be taking up Machiavelli, as you said at the outset of the show, because, uh, you know, presenting weakness, you know, Machiavelli and the classics and Winston Churchill would all agree and Abraham Lincoln would agree and George Washington would agree. Presenting weakness to evil enemies is the worst possible counsel. And and uh this idea that that we're appealing to the better nature of people whose better natures are not in command is uh it's it's really nuts right because um it what 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 deductions are they going to draw and you know if you like a you know what would be the opposite policy um, take ukraine take syria I don't I think Syria is a complicated case myself, and, and, and it's possible that there's no good result to be had there, and if one takes that view, then what he might do is pick whoever's the worst of them and support the other side just to cause them trouble, not expecting something really great to happen, but trouble to the worst of them. And you know, support the people in the Middle East you trust, and there are a couple. What about Ukraine? Right. First of all, there's an enormous spirit of freedom that's apparent there. I said to one of my one of our students here. She said, uh, "You know, Dr. Aaron, politics is not the highest thing. You know, we like to read our Dostoevsky there, and we're all famous for studying politics here." And I said, "That's right." I said, "Did you notice, dear one, that uh, this week students are pouring into a square to their desks? And she said, uh, "Yeah." I said, I "Wonder why they're doing that?" And she said, uh, "Freedom." And I said, "Freedom to what?" What freedom do students value, like ability to read and talk about your Dostoevsky freely. Huh. Come to find out, dear, you are very interested in the Constitution mm-hmm. of the United States, right?
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and uh and you see, so so with them, first of all, their allies in in uh Ukraine, help them. Help them in some clever way, right? Help them you send them some stuff. Empower them to fight. You know, there's Enormous things that can be done. And then speak in the terms of that. Like one thing are, so this is not Machiavellian, guys. Well, The music
0: is coming up. He's well trained. Dr. Morrissey will learn that when the music is coming up, there's 20 seconds to go to the break. I'll be right back, America, with Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale College, where they... Learn their Machiavelli so that they might be able to protect those who would read their Dostoevsky and Dr. Morrissey when we return. Hillsdale.edu, Hugh for Hillsdale.com. Stay tuned. 34 minutes after the hour, markets, Hugh Hewitt. It is the Hillsdale Dialogue, that with which we end every single radio week when we are blessed, and uh, all of them collected uh, for your downloading prela- pleasure at Hugh for Hillsdale.com, completely free, as are many of the courses that can really change and illumine your life at hillsdale.edu on all the subjects that matter, with more pouring forth every day. From the lantern of the north, which is what I call Hillsdale College, uh, joining me today, Dr. Larry Arn, president of Hillsdale, his colleague, Professor Will Morrissey, who's the William and Patricia Lamoth chair in uh, the U.S. Constitution there at Hillsdale and has been for many years. Uh, Dr. Morrissey, earlier today, as we begin, uh, it is the quintenary, we believe, of the prince, 500 years since it appeared, give or take one year. No one's quite sure when it appeared, so we're roughly in the 500th year celebration. And uh, it's a great time to pick it up. But it's also interesting for a reason Dr. Arne just said, that the times in which we live call for a good understanding. My colleague, Dennis Prager, and I don't know that Dennis has been to Hillsdale. I know he's a friend of Larry's, and I, I don't know that he's been up there. But today he declared, as I was driving to the studio, that it is question in his mind that President Obama is the worst president in American history, with the possible exception of James Buchanan, about which he thought there was a good argument to be made that President Obama is worse. Um, if that is the case, why ought we to read with urgency Machiavelli? Machiavelli at least
1: knew what he was about, and I'm not convinced that Obama really does. If you think... Uh, there was a there was talk about uh, obama meeting with vladimir putin vladimir putin was trained by the kgb my predecessor in this uh, in this job here at hillsdale in the political science department was a man named alex Stromas, who was a uh, uh, who was a an ex kgb agent he was a defector and he was trained from childhood in geopolitics he was trained in uh, special uh, special operations. He was trained in all of these areas that uh, Barack Obama simply has no background in. When those two men sit down at the same table, Putin can have him for lunch, because while he while he Putin at the age when Putin was uh, studying to be a statesman and to be a KGB operative, uh, which is not quite the same thing, but uh, at any rate, uh, he was studying geopolitics. Um, Obama was community organizing, he was learning a bit about the law, not very much, but uh, some. This is not, um, this is just not an even match. And, th- there's nothing there.
0: And is there a way to repair or, or to prepare those who have to repair the damage via Machiavelli, uh, Dr. Arn?
2: Well, you know, you, you, know you, you need to cultivate the moral and the intellectual virtues, and they come to operate together in various ways, you know, when you know them, and one of the things they do is they make you tough, and, you know, this is a world where we, we say to the students here all the time, I mean, that young woman, I won't say her name, but she's a really great kid, about to marry a really great kid in the senior class in a few days, uh, you know, she wants to be, she, she wants, she loves beauty, she's a lit major, and uh, she wants to be left alone and allowed to pursue that. And those are the aims of the American Republic, and and we remind them, yeah. And you know that Republic didn't come to be, as Lincoln said once about war. He said, "You don't fight wars by blowing rosewater through elderstock squirts." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Where, when did he say that? Uh, I don't know. I'll look it up for you. Yeah, it, he definitely said it. Wow, I've got, I've got it in my forthcoming book about Churchill, and I've got a footnote to it, so I know that it exists. Churchill said a parallel. Churchill said. Uh, uh, we have not traveled all this way across the oceans, across the mountains, across the prairies, because we are made of sugar candy.
0: <laughs> yeah, that one I know and, and love. And I know Thucydides, the secret to happiness is freedom, and the secret to freedom is courage. And they all are of a piece. Let's turn to, to the prince, and let's begin there and and tell people he had just been released from prison. He had been tortured, according to biographers of Machiavelli. And he sat down in an attempt to ingratiate himself. Well, what was the project, Dr. Morrissey? We have about a minute to the break. What was his project in writing The Prince? His project in writing The Prince was to overthrow uh, the
1: classical understanding of virtue and the Christian understanding of virtue. He has two targets. His, tar- his first target is, is antiquity. His second target is Christianity. Wow, he was he was not self-effacing, was he? Oh, he was very self-effacing. Uh, in order to do this, he had to use indirection in his in his way of uh, in his way of writing. He couldn't just. He's no Voltaire. He doesn't. He doesn't exist in a in a situation where that would be uh, easy to do. But he safe.
0: aims high. I guess I should have said he certainly aimed high, but he did it in a cunning way. We come back the very first chapter or the dedicatory uh, uh, letter that he puts at the beginning of The Prince with Dr. Will Morrissey, Dr. Larry Arn of Hillsdale College. Stay tuned. It is the Hillsdale Dialogue. 44 minutes after the Hour, America, it's Hugh Hewitt. Last segment of this week's first Hillsdale Dialogue devoted to the works of Niccolo Machiavelli, specifically the dedicatory letter that he sends to Lorenzo the Magnificent, uh, the ruler of Florence, in which Machiavelli begins by saying, Most of the time... It is customary for those who wish to gain the favor of a prince to approach him with the things they hold most dear. Now, Dr. Morrissey, most of the time, and it is customary, are two great qualifiers that make you wonder from the very beginning exactly how often is this going to be useful? What is he doing here in this letter, this dedicatory letter? Well, the prince looks
1: like a a typical specimen of something that was called a courtesy book which was a book of uh, advice to two princes and to rulers uh castiglione's book uh was uh, was was a fine example of that in the renaissance so he um he starts out uh, uh, seeming to be uh, doing something that is uh, that is uh, unexpected and under- well understood a well understood genre and uh But uh, there's going to be a lot more going on in the book as uh, as one works through it.
0: And as we work through it, we want to work through it in the same book. And today I am using the translation, which was at hand, the Rebhorn translation. But we're going to encourage people to go and get Harvey Mansfield's translation. Does it come as a standalone or will they also find the other writings of Machiavelli that Harvey has translated in under two covers?
1: No, it's uh, it's uh, it's a standalone. It's uh, it's published by the University of Chicago, small paperback, very uh, very affordable.
0: And so I, I encourage all of you to get the Mansfield translation of The Prince as we work our way through it. Dr. Arn, at the very end of this dedicatory letter, he says, Look, in order to know well the nature of people, it's necessary to be a prince. And to know well the nature of princes, one must be of the people. He's trying to say why he could presume to advise the prince. What do you think about that?
2: uh well um yeah, I don't know it uh um he it, I, so on the surface it's flattery right and and uh and the prince embodies the people, but of course, as he gives the advice he's uh he's in the, the subject of the prince is the people and what the prince does to the people, right and what he makes them think and he does make them think things so will's about to say something
1: the other thing is you know if you if you read the prince who is he talking about all the time if not princes so it turns out that yes he's, he says that he understands the people but he you know, the prince understands the people it turns out that machiavelli understands both yeah. the prince and the people and uh So that's a bit of flattery at the beginning, and it shows you how clever he can be.
0: It's also a a big problem for me at the the beginning. The last sentence of the dedicatory letter, letter is, And should your magnificence gaze down from the summit of your eminence towards this lowly place, which Machiavelli occupies, you will recognize how I undeservedly suffer from the continual malice of fortune." Uh, and, uh, Dr. Morrissey, if he's anti-Christian and anti-virtue, how dare he use a word undeservedly? Well, he wants
1: to get the prince to do something, and he assumes that the prince isn't as comprehensively, uh, shall we say, tough-minded as he is. He's trying to give him a—the uh... other thing is, of course, the prince might read uh, this and say, uh, 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 Cosimo might—his magnificence might read this and think, well, this guy is very bright.
0: Maybe I ought to hire him as my advisor. Uh, But isn't it an admission against interest, as we lawyers would say, Larry Arendt, to say undeservedly because he's appealing to some standard of fairness which presupposes some good, some virtuous standard?
2: Well, he has one. And, uh, you know, he – Machiavelli is – he's establishing a new mode and order that is a more fully human way to live. Uh, And and, uh, he thinks that, first of all, Machiavelli is – Going to destroy or or compromise the influence of Christianity, because he thinks that influence is venal. Is that too bold, Will? No, no. And uh, wow, I'd uh, you know we're supposed to we're supposed to be sophisticated and leave it, and dance around these points, but Will and I are not very good at that. Uh, this almost sounds like a Machiavellian thing. To say. <laughs> <laughs> so Lord knows what we're going to do. Now. Oh, no. but, uh, but um. um he uh, Machiavelli sees what he regards as a great truth, and in this book, he announces it. He doesn't announce his anti-Christianity in this book. That's implicit in a, a much more complex book that, that we'll talk about in a second, I imagine, uh, the Discourses on Livy. Um, but... And there's a kind of a refounding that goes on in these discourses. But the first thing that Machiavelli wants us to think is, look, we're living in misery here, and we can't get our way because we're too focused on the restraints of virtue and doing good. And we've got to discard those because we can't get on and do any good until we stop worrying about doing good. Hmm. And Machiavelli thinks that there is a refounding both of a way of thinking and of a way of living that will be better. For us right and you know it's easy you know i i personally believe that the doctrines of the modern left lead to nihilism and i think these doctrines of machiavelli lead there too but machiavelli is a wonderfully sophisticated man and that isn't his self-understanding and that's not the self-understanding of the left either and so the first step is to figure out what is that understanding of machiavelli and of the left if you're studying them what, what, what do they think? Because they, it's, it's very uncommon for people to set out and simply do evil. And, in fact, only really insane people ever do that. And so you have to unpack these arguments because Machiavelli, you know, and, and on, on the surface, it's actually pretty simple. We're living in misery in Italy. We are divided. We have no greatness. We are prey to people outside us. I personally have been dislodged from my place and tortured because of the mediocrity and limits of those who rule us, which is a common condition, and if we will just take a better attitude, we can have a better life. That's, on the surface, that's what he says in The Prince.
0: That's what he says, and when we come back, and we're, we're going to do a, a special extra quick segment here, because I'd like to ask Dr. Morrison and Dr. Arne how they recommend people approach The Prince how to get ready for next week, do they read the whole thing, do they read a chapter at a time, and in what order, at what pace. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll tell you how to go about getting ready for the next Hillsdale Dialogue. And as I said earlier, in these times I can't think of a better few weeks than we are going to be spending on a better subject than The Prince. Stay tuned. It's the Hugh Hewitt Show. Welcome back, America. It's Hugh Hewitt. I want to thank Adam and Dwayne for another great week of radio producing. And to uh, Marlon, uh, the extraordinary associate producer, Danielle, and to all of our interns, including Jack, the Hillsdale intern, who hasn't made a hash of it this week at all. Carl and Marissa and Daniel and uh, to whomever else I've forgotten out there. Thank you, Dr. Larry Arn and Dr. Will Morrissey. Uh, We have just a couple of minutes left in this week. And so, Dr. Morrissey, I'll start with you. As we go forward, how would you advise someone who's, who hasn't picked up the prints ever going to go out and get the Mansfield edition from the University of Chicago, probably a buck ninety nine on the internet uh, mm-hmm. that very cheap. How would you have them read to be ready to get the most out of the next few weeks of conversation? The main thing is first of all, just uh, read it from
1: one end to the other. don't uh, try to 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 pick and choose chapters, don't try to read around and jump around. Machiavelli has a way of arguing that he unfolds very deliberately, so you have to follow the thread of the argument from beginning to the end. The other thing is to read things with a bit of caution. He will tell you things that aren't quite so, and you can figure out that they're not quite so if you look him up, if you kick the tires, so to speak. So read him with uh, caution. He he deserves the name Machiavellian. He earned that reputation to some extent. (laughs) And uh, uh, it's wise for the reader to
0: uh, be a bit on his guard
1: while reading this this book.
0: Do all Hillsdale students, Doctor Arne, read the entire Prince? Yeah, isn't it all in the Western Civilization reader? I'm, I'm re- trying to recall, mm. but I'm not sure. No,
2: it's not all there. Uh, they, everybody reads some of it.
0: Uh, everybody reads some of it. And so, do you have anything to append to Doctor Morrissey's uh, suggestion on how to go Fr- from well, start to finish cautiously? Yeah, b- yeah,
2: be of good heart because the the Prince is short, and and you know delightful in a sometimes wicked way to read you've got a pleasure in front of you and then let's try to figure out what it means that somebody of of surpassing importance wrote such a book I mean Mm -hmm. you know that's and you know the book is inviting you to do things and Machiavelli uh, you know he's Machiavellian which means sometimes he's a liar as, as Will says, and the lies. And he points in the book to the play, he gives you an instruction in a place in the book that we will mention to you about how to read Machiavelli. Obvious mistakes are a clue to something important. And Lou, uh, Will, as you know, a really good teacher, was just pointing that out to the audience. Surreptitiously. <laughs>
0: Interesting. All right, well, people are going to have to go read the transcript again when that gets posted. Gentlemen, thanks to you both. I, I have to ask, just very quickly, 30-second round. Of all of our presidents, who has deserved the title Machiavelli?
2: Hmm. I don't know. We got President Simpleton right now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Dr. Larry Arn of Hillsdale College, Dr. Will Morrissey, his colleague there. Thank you both for a great introduction to Machiavelli's The Prince. We'll continue out there on the next Hillsdale Dialogue, same time, same place, next week. Thank you, America. Stay tuned on this great radio station.